Prepare your heart to receive another powerful message by David Harabedian, recorded live at Eagle Heart Ministries. Three small cities, as they say in Spanish, las tres ciudades pequeñas, the three small cities. In Joshua, 11.22 is going to be one of our keynote passages. It says this, Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. There was none of the Anakims left. Only in Gaza, Gath, and in Ashdod there remained. Only in Gaza, Gath, and in Ashdod there remained some of the Anakims. Turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. And if somebody wants to crack open a door or change the temperature in here, that'd be great. Yeah. Amen. 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 Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. When the Lord God shall bring thee into the land whither thou should go to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. Seven's the number of completion. They're mightier than you, but the Lord drives them out. But He does it through your cooperation. And He does it by anointing you to go in and to possess a land by dispossessing what is there. The Hebrew word for dispossess or to possess the land is the word yaresh. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, Juan, would you come up? It does not mean this. Let's say Juan, I'll do it this way. I'm the Hivite, I'm the Girgashite, I'm the Parasite, I'm the Parasite. Right? Okay, so I'm the one. Juan is anointed by the Lord. He's coming into the land that the Lord has given him and he's to possess the land. This is not what it looks like. He comes in, shakes my hand. Hey, good looking out. Let's just hang out together. This is not what it is in the Scripture. Okay? But that's what we've done in the body of Christ with the things the Lord told us to possess. We just go hang out and become tolerant of it. No... And here's what happens. As we're tolerant, not wanting to offend anybody, that which we're tolerant with begins to whisper in our ear and begins to teach us its ways, the very ways that caused the land to come under a curse that sent somebody in to dispossess it. So, to possess the land is literally to dispossess that which is there. So he comes running in and he pushes me out. And as he pushes me out, if I try to come back, he utterly destroys and annihilates it. And as we'll see in the scripture, it even says that it would not breathe. That means it's dead. Amen? Thank you, Juan. So, in this illustration, in this biblical text that we have, that we're keynote looking at as our foundation verse, we see that we are to possess the land, which is the Hebrew word Yaresh. And to give you another illustration, they went on an 11-day walk from Egypt into Canaan land, but it took them 40 years. 
Because they didn't obey fully the word of the Lord. To obey is better than sacrifice. First Samuel 15, 22-23. And here's the thing. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Here's why. When we obey, we don't need a sacrifice. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And the daughters of God. Matureness. When we fully obey the Lord, we become friends with Him. We walk with Him and we talk with Him. And here's what happens. We can ask anything of Him at that point and He'll do it. You know why? Because our heart has become one with His and we're not going to ask for something that's outside of the will of God at that point. Right? Or something that if He blessed us with it would actually cause us to look at the blessing instead of the blesser. And have you ever seen somebody that got blessed overnight with a promotion or an inheritance of money and you watch their maturity level couldn't handle it. They became dictators. They became prideful. They become arrogant. All of a sudden they began to use those very things that God blessed them with for the wrong thing and it became a curse and their relationship with the Lord wasn't enhanced by it but it was diminished by it. It became a distraction. So God wants to get us to a place to where when we ask for something from Him, it's because our hearts have become one with Him and He'll literally ask us what we want. And then He'll put it in our heart to ask Him so He can do it, that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. In Deuteronomy 7.1 When the Lord God shall bring you into the land whither thou should go to possess it, dispossess it, to knock out and utterly destroy that which is inhabiting the land that I might give it unto you. Seven nations greater and mightier than you. Verse 2. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before you, you shall smite them and utterly destroy them. Say utterly destroy. Utterly destroy. Thou shalt make no covenant with them. Say no covenant. No covenant. Nor show mercy to them. Say no mercy. No mercy. Neither shall thou have marriages with them. Oh boy, that's a... We could preach 20 minutes right there. You married a devil, now you're trying to... Okay. Just, just don't, don't do it to start with. If you've done it, pray through it. But don't do it just because Delilah the Philistine looks good. She's wearing that Chanel number 57 or whatever. Neither shall thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, even if there is a financial benefit between your two companies. Nor his daughter shall thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me. You remember Solomon had 300 concubines? I mean, I don't... No disrespect, but I don't know anybody who really would want more than one woman. I mean, one is enough for God's sakes. I love you women. God bless you. But when it comes to marriage, the two shall become one flesh. I talk, I counsel with people. I'm like, ooh, I wouldn't want more than one of those. And you know, you women wouldn't want more than one man. You know, that's enough to handle in a relationship. Okay. Amen. Okay, praise the Lord. Mm. I can't imagine counseling somebody with 300. 
<laughs> plus 700 wives. And this guy was the wisest man in the Old Testament. Except in that area. And could it be that he learned his wisdom from his mistakes in this situation? He, he memorized a thousand proverbs. One for every wife. Okay, so verse 4, For they will turn away... Isn't it great to have liberty on a Friday night? As they say in Hebrew, Shabbat Shalom. It is the time to gather, to rest and reflect and have that peace of God that restores our soul after a tough week. For they will turn away thy son from following you, or from following me, and they, that they may serve other gods, so will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy you suddenly. Man. And destroy you suddenly. And destroy you suddenly. Proverbs 29.1 says, He who being often reproved and yet hardeneth his neck shall be destroyed suddenly and that without remedy. Have you ever seen a minister when he falls? You're like, well, he was doing so good last week on TV. Man, he preached. People were hanging off the chandeliers. I mean, that was a crazy, wonderful message. And all of a sudden, you find out he fell three years ago. He just didn't hit until last week. Do you know that God... I heard this the other day. It stuck with me. God is the only boss that will fire you and let you keep working. Because the gifts and the calling of God, Romans 11, 29, are without repentance. They're irrevocable. Okay, scriptural basis. King Saul... The Spirit of the Lord left him, didn't he? But he kept working. Still king. But now he's going to the 1-900 psychic line. The witch of Endor. Because he's no longer being spoken to by the Lord through prophets or dreams or Urim. So now all of a sudden he can't hear the voice of the Lord anymore, but he's still got his job. There's a lot of people who can't hear the voice of the Lord anymore. They're still preaching in the pulpit. They still got their job, but they've been fired a long time ago. That's why King David, when he messed up with Bathsheba and killed Uriah the Hittite, and by the way, that's a pretty strong mistake. That's not like, well, you know, I clicked on the wrong link on the internet last week, you know, but I, I shook it off. No, he committed adultery, then had her husband murdered. Those are two killing offenses under the Ten Commandments, by the way. And this is why King David, when the prophet of God came to him and gave the parable, and David's like, oh, I can't believe somebody took one's little used lamb and her only lamb that they raised, and he's got all these sheep, and he did that. What do you think should be done, Nathan says? Oh, that man should be killed. And David's like, ah, he should repay fourfold. And Nathan's like, okay, he says, you are the man. You did it with Uriah's, the Hittite's wife, and you had him murdered. David's like, oh, I have sinned against God. And he immediately began to weep. And he says, because you've done this, the child that is born from that union with you and Bathsheba will surely die. Don't think that sin doesn't have a penalty. And don't think that just because it hasn't been judged by God yet doesn't mean judgment hasn't already occurred. If you throw a boomerang out into the atmosphere, well, I guess it's gone. You turn around, you're looking the other direction, you hear kind of a sound. And then, bam, hits you in the back of the head. Behold, your sin will find you out, Numbers says. 
By the way, this is going to turn into a grace message before we're done. Because there's grace where sin abounds. Grace abounds all the more. But the law is the schoolmaster to drive us to Christ. Right? And then once we pick up Christ, we're led by the Spirit. Amen? Okay, so here's what happens. Nathan tells David, you've messed up. David saw how King Saul got fired and kept working. And you know when you get fired but you keep working, the Spirit of God can still come upon you and do some work through you? Absolutely. I've seen backsliders that are in a situation and God needs a vessel. And the person already knows the things of the Spirit. They know the gifts of the Spirit. They know the voice of God. And there's somebody who needs a healing, a deliverance. They need the gospel for salvation. Spirit of the Lord. Tell you the story. Backslidden minister. I was in prison. He used to smoke cigarettes like nobody's business. He used to sit at the card table and gamble. He used to cuss like a sailor. He was as bitter as could be. If I mean, let me put it this way. If he was being tried in court for being a Christian, he would have got acquitted. Because there's not enough evidence to convict him for being a Christian. He would have got acquitted. They would not have found him guilty for being a Christian. One day, I'm up by the weight room, and I see him, and his eyes are on fire with the fire of the Lord. And he's speaking the Word of God to this guy. I'm thinking to myself, what is going on? And it's a clear doctrine. And it's a clear word of the Lord. And the man is under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to break down before the Lord. He repents. He accepts Christ. The guy lays hands on him. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Wobbles. Begin to speak in other tongues. Wow. And the presence of God is there. And I'm like, how is this possible? <laughs> This guy thinks God's last name is something else. I've heard him. Uh, you know that last name you used to use yeah, before you got saved yeah. with God? Yeah. Okay. So, he turns around. He walks away and he looks at me. The presence of God is still on him. And he looks down and he's angry. Kind of like Jonah after they repent. Oh, yeah. Right? Read the story. <laughs> Read the story. I can't feed everything in one night. But you can go home and feed on the Word of God with the Lord and the Bible all week long. Amen? Amen. 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 We work seven day, six days, then we rest, right? Amen. The man is provided six days, and on the seventh day we get a double portion. Right? We have to go gather six days, on the seventh day we rest. Okay, six days you gather the manna on your own. On the seventh day, come in and get it provided for you. Don't trust the preacher to do for you seven days a week what he's only required to do one. Amen? Amen. Okay, and then you come in like, I wonder what he's talking about. Go home and study. Amen? <laughs> study to show yourself approved. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. Amen? So here's what happens. He walks away. He immediately pulls out his pack of cigarettes. Lights his cigarettes. Somebody comes by and he's cussing again. And I'm like, and he's angry. But I knew we were going to have a conversation. Don't get fired and keep working. Because the Lord will use you. Just like you can switch camps from the enemy's camp to God's camp, the devil will still try to use you, won't he? 
Amen or ouch? Amen. So anyway, I, I end up on a plane. I, I think I get indicted again or something like that. I forget. I got indicted so many times. Crazy. So I'm like going back to court. And who do they sit me next to on the plane but this guy? He sits next. I mean, when I say sits next to me, they seat you. Okay? It's not like coffee, tea, or milk. You know, that's not the stewardess expression there. It's like shotgun in your face, sit down, you've got shackles, cuffs, belly chain on, right? They got vehicles around your 727, and you got, you can't even really, you try to drink the little six ounce thing, and you got to lean down, and because you got your cuff with the belly chain, okay? So it's not like, you know, flying the indicted skies on Con Airways where you got to be indicted to be invited that you like look up on the internet for the best flight, okay? You go where they take you. Kind of like Paul in Acts 27. I perceive that this voyage might be... Ah, be quiet, Paul. You don't know what you're talking about. Just get, get on the boat. So they sit me right next to him. And he looks over at me and says, I knew they were going to put you next to me. And I look at him and he said, I have always hated you. I'm thinking this is going to be a good flight. <laughs> And he says to me, I said, what, why is it? I know you haven't liked me. What is it that I've done to you? He says, it's not what you've done. It's what you remind me of. He says, you remind me of myself. The difference is you've got joy unspeakable like the Bible says. And I never had it when I served God. He says, I would pray for the sick and they would get healed. People would come up to me. I would get called out of congregations. They would prophesy to me about a great deliverance anointing I would have. I would go cast out demons. People would get marvelously delivered. I would get sick and have to go to the hospital and get an operation. He says, I got so angry with God. He says, I went out on the beach. I cussed and cursed his name to his face and told him to take me out with a lightning bolt. I was so angry with God and he wouldn't. So I decided I'm going to kill myself because I hated being in ministry and seeing God do so many wonderful things for everybody else. But me, I had sickness after sickness and operation after operation. And when I'd be at the hospital, they'd have me in a wheelchair. I'd roll by somebody, pray for them, and they'd get healed. <laughs> I'm like, wow. See, you don't know a person's story. He ended up deciding he's going to go in and rob a bank. Because he doesn't want to kill himself. Because deep down, he's really not wanting to go to hell. He's just not understanding what God is doing. Anyway, long story short, he goes in. He decides to rob the bank. He's got, you know, a gun with no bullets in it. And because he doesn't want to shoot anybody. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. He just wants to die and get shot so he doesn't kill himself. I mean, I don't know how you quantify. Is that suicide? Is that... A... But see, God looks at the heart. Anyway, Christian officer comes in on the lead. He's like holding his gun. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. They're like, put down the gun. Put down the gun. He's like, no, I'm going to shoot. Because he actually waited for them to arrive. Even the teller said, you need to get out of here. The police have been called. He says, I know. I'm waiting for them. He's like, why are you waiting for them? We're going to have a shootout. Take the money and go. Nope. I'm waiting for him. Anyway, Christian officer by the Spirit of God recognizes, long story short, walks over 
puts his holster, gun in the holster, the other round him on. He walks over and give me this, give me the gun, son. Gives it to him. He breaks down and cries. See, the love of God is amazing. Amen. <laughs> the love of God is amazing. See, he never got over the bitterness in the in the two years that I knew him. And he began to share with me amazing stories. We had the most marvelous plane ride. Flying the indicted skies on Con Airways. I mean, we really, really did. And it's a lot of times they'll move you from spot to spot so you can't like conspire with each other. Even though you're like shackled and cuffed, where are you going to go? You can't even like get out of the seat and you, like they pull you up, you know. And, and then you gotta, you're got you walking really slow. Little shuffle, you know. The, the belly chain shackle shuffle, you know. And uh, I won't even tell you what it's like going to the bathroom on that plane. Wait till you hit turbulence. It's, there's some word pictures. I mean, it's, it's challenging. Yeah. Oh, Lord have mercy. So anyway, he shares with me the story. But see, you can get fired and still have the gifts. And that's some scary stuff. There's some people that I watch on TV. I know they've been fired. I know it. Two, three years later, you hear what happened. Because there's something that changes in them once they've been fired. And I'm not accusing anybody on TV now. And I'm praying for those people that, you know, you can sense when something changes in their speech, their attitude. Something shifted. See, they fell off the building and at any time they could have repented. See, because God gives even Jezebel in the book of Revelation space to repent when he cast her on a bed of suffering. And by the way, these are the words of Jesus where he said, He will cast her on a bed of suffering and kill her children. That's New Testament, by the way. The loving Jesus. Revelation chapter 2. Ananias and Sapphira stuck, struck dead in the presence of the Lord. New Testament. Elemis the sorcerer struck blind for trying to turn the deputy away from the faith. New Testament. Hello? Hello. So Saul gets fired. But he doesn't know it. He keeps working. Adam got fired out of the garden. Kept working, didn't he? Oh, Lord, don't fire us. That's why King David says, Lord, in Psalms 51, please do not take thy Holy Spirit from me against you and you alone have I sinned, O oh God. See, once the Holy Spirit lifts, you're done. Now here's the good news. The good news is this. If you're still concerned about your sin, you haven't done the unpardonable. That means the Holy Spirit's still with you. Amen? Because the minute He leaves like that, your heart will become hardened. Your conscience will be seared like with a hot iron. And you'll never turn back to God. Because only God can draw us to repentance. Okay. Joshua chapter 11. Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. Let's turn to Joshua and read a little bit earlier in. Is this helpful at all tonight, thought-provoking? I told you, it's going to be a grace message before we get done. Doesn't feel like a lot of grace, does it? 
you know what? Sometimes we need to be provoked in our consciences so that we can then appreciate grace. Because sometimes grace gets so greasy and so slippery, we think that just because we didn't get judged for it instantly, that we must be okay. That's the sin of presumption where we presume because we didn't get judged, God's okay with it. That's why David says, O Lord, reveal unto me my secret faults in Psalms 19, 10, 11, 12. Chapter 19, verses 10, 11, and 12. Reveal unto me my secret faults and hide me from presumptuous sins or the sin of presumption because I didn't get judged right away that I presumed God was okay with it because I'm king, I'm his anointed, I'm a playmaker, so I can do what I want. A friend of mine had a congregation after he came out of prison. He was on radio, television, 48 hours, 60 minutes, Oprah Winfrey, Larry King Live. He was leading people to Christ right and left. Built a congregation. Two satellite congregations popped up. They actually had physical congregations with physical worships, three different types of music, three different types of genres, ushers, deacons, the whole nine yards. And then, during the hour of power, when God's anointed would rise to give His message, they would have live video feeds that would pump out to the other two congregations. Wow. God used him marvelously. But when I was with him in 2009, I went to go speak in his church. I was out there and he invited my mother and father went. And as we were there, it was between services and I walked into the back and they had the one-way glass, you know, the mirror that way, but you could see out. And so the worship was going on and we were talking and all of a sudden, the atmosphere in the room changed. It was so powerful, the atmosphere, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was the spirit of insider trading. And it was almost like, well, the money of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. We can use that for the kingdom. I mean, these lies just started to come. I'm like, wait a second, I've never even done insider trading. That's not a stronghold I've ever had. Where is this coming from? And I looked at a man who'd been fired, but I didn't know it. And I looked at him and I said his name. I said, you know what? In your industry with the job that you have and the position that you have and your two best-selling books out on the subject and the unique position you have with the federal government at this point as an expert in this area of fraud, you have to really guard yourself against insider trading. And those that are around you have to guard themselves because they can just ask what case you're working on, hear the name of it, know that you're getting ready to come out with some information, and all of a sudden that stock's going to drop. And they could buy options for pennies on the dollars and capitalize on that short sell and make millions overnight. And the lie of the enemy would be the money of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. He just stared at me. See, I didn't know what I'd said. I didn't know that he'd already committed the crime that would cause a stock to drop over $500 million in value on a $2 billion plus dollar company. 
And he would end up going to prison for that where he sits now. This is a guy I used to evangelize the compound with. Never met a guy who could evangelize like him. I mean, I'm an evangelist. This guy was an evangelist on steroids. <laughs> and an apologist. Meaning, any major doctrine in the Christian faith, any religion, he could overcome any argument. Brilliant mind. Brilliant. He got fired. But he didn't know it, and he kept on working. And guess what? People came to Christ. The Pied Piper anointing was on him, marching him to the altar. But you know what? They came to church for him, not for Jesus. Wow. And there's the distinction. Wow. When you get fired and you keep on working, you end up drawing people to yourself yeah. more than you draw them to Jesus. Now you can't help people that get caught up in that. You can tell them as much as you want, Jesus healed you. I didn't do it. I'm a conduit. I'm, I'm, I'm a, a rusty old pipe or a rubber hose without him. I'm a donkey that the Messiah rides in on. You can tell some people that and they'll still say, thank you for healing me. You're just like, I can't help them. Right? right? Okay. But I'm talking about when people say, oh, you're such a dynamic orator. Well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Glory be to me. Uh, I'm, that, you know, but see, it can be subtle. It can be subtle. But here's what happened. He got fired, but he kept working. Don't get fired to start with. Yeah. Don't get fired to start with. Joshua chapter 11, verse 22. We're going to start in verse 1. And it came to pass when Jabin, the king of Hazar, had heard those things. Mm, 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 mm. Go into Joshua 10.40. So Joshua smote all the country and all the hills and all the south and all the valley and all of the springs and all of their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel had commanded. Verse 6, 11.6. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time I will deliver them up all slain before Israel. Thou shalt you their horses and burn their chariots with fire. Verse 20, For it was of the Lord to harden the hearts of the enemy that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy them utterly, and that they might have no favor, but that he might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. Where did he command Moses? In Deuteronomy 7, right? Joshua takes over, and he's to go in and take the land. Moses was able to see the land. He got them delivered out from thence, but Joshua was to carry them in. For this reason, God brings you out from thence that He might bring you into the land that He promised you. He brought you out of the kingdom of darkness that He might bring you into the kingdom of His dear Son. Let's not get caught in between in the wilderness where God gets the wild in us Amen. out. Let's not get stuck for 40 years. It's only an 11-day walk. But we need the presence of God Amen. to deliver us. It's not our ability. It's not your scripture memory. It's not how long you fast, how long you pray, how much you speak in tongues. It's not how much repenting you do, although those things do factor in. But it's the presence of God that convicts us. It's the presence of God that transforms us. It's the presence of God that vindicates us. It's the presence of God that sets us free from the strongholds. So never think it's your ability to deliver yourself. 
but seek the one who has unlimited ability to set you free from Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod, the three small cities where the Anakims hid and remained. Question. Baby giants, they are so cute. They are just so cute. You know, a baby giant born probably 40 pounds from a giant woman. Right? Probably about five times the size of a regular baby. Right? Maybe they're eight pounds, six ounces. I don't know. But a little baby giant. You look and you're like, oh, look how cute the little baby giant is. But you know what a baby giant grows up to be? A big giant. You know what a baby sin grows up to be? A big sin, a big stronghold. Mm -mm -mm. Verse 21, And at that time came Joshua and cut off the Anakims from the mountains, from Hebron, from Deber, from Anab, from all the mountains of Judah and from the mountains of Israel. Mm -hmm. Joshua destroyed them utterly within their cities. Verse 22, and here's our keynote verse. There was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel, only in Gaza and in Gath and in Ashdod there remained. Mm -hmm. They did a pretty good job. But if they'd have done better, we might not have seen three sad stories in history. Biblical history. Because out of Gaza, there arose a woman, a harlot. Turn with me to Judges 16. We're going somewhere and there will be grace in this message. Say grace. grace. <laughs> Say I need grace. Judges chapter 16. You remember a man by the name of Samson? Was he anointed? Nobody could stop him. He was amazing because he had the Spirit of God on him. Verse, chapter 16, verse 1. And there went Samson to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went in unto her. Wait a second. Samson's anointed. How did he do that? Lust. See, an issue unresolved will evolve. And what you won't deal with privately with the Lord, God will confront you publicly before the people. But He'll give you space to repent after you've left the building. And I'm not talking about Elvis who left the building on the first floor. I'm talking about when you stepped off the building on the top floor. And He's saying, claim the promise of Psalms 91 that you will command His angels. They have charge over you to pick you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. Call upon me and repent while you're still in the air. Because when you hit, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. What would have happened if he'd have called on the Lord while he was falling? And the Lord would have sent His angels to pick him up put him back on the wall and it would have been between him and God. And he would have had a testimony secretly of the Lord's grace. And he even would have come in and shared how the mercy of the Lord sustained him. The mercy of the Lord rescued him. Because 2 Corinthians 1.10 says, The Lord who hath delivered us, the Lord that doth deliver us, and the Lord that will yet deliver us is whom we trust. Yeah. Yeah. The God of past tense deliverance, He delivered you. Mm -hmm. 
at the cross. Delivered you out of darkness. Today he delivered you. Present tense. And whatever is coming down in the future, he'll deliver you future tense. He is the God of past, present, and future deliverance. He is able to keep us from falling. He is the God who that began a good work in us, will complete it until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You feeling the grace now? Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Right? Samson ends up going in unto a harlot. But it doesn't stop there. Because he didn't get judged in his sin, he presumed God was okay with it, and the anointing still came upon him for 20 years. But what does Proverbs 29.1 say? He who being often reproved and yet hardeneth his neck will be destroyed suddenly and that without remedy. What happened to Samson? Samson ends up continuing to do this stuff so long that every time the Philistines would come upon him when he was in with his head in the lap of Delilah the hairdresser (laughs) clipping off those locks for 1,100 pieces of silver. Don't think. They won't turn on you. Stop messing with the world. Because they'll turn on you for 1,100 pieces of silver. They might even do it for 30. There's some history on that too. And this is what Samson said. He said, I will shake myself as at other times. But verse 21, oh God. (coughs) Judges chapter 16, verse 21. And she said, the Philistines be upon you, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he knew not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters and brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Samson eventually lost the presence of God. He lost the power of God. He lost the position God had given him as judge over Israel. He lost his eyesight when the Philistines plucked out his eyes. He lost his freedom when he was taken into captivity. And finally, he lost his very life as a suicidal martyr in the house of his enemies, the Philistine lords. The city of lust, if not dealt with privately in our lives, that little baby cute giant will develop because an issue unresolved will evolve. An acorn grows into an oak tree. The sin of lust will take us farther than we planned will keep us longer than we planned on staying and will cost us more than we planned on spending. It will take us farther. See, you, you, you're just at first base. But how did you get to second or third? Can we talk plain? Hmm. This is a small city in your life? We'll pray at the end. And you can also pray on your own. Gath, the city of fear. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. See, if we don't deal with the little cities, and here's where it's going to hit home. (laughs) 
Notice that Joshua left three cities with Anakims, small little cities, and he didn't have to deal with them his whole life. They rose up in the next generation or the generation that followed. And if you're not going to deal with it for you, deal with it for your children because there is a thing called a generational curse that goes down to the third and the fourth generation of them that hate him. Well, David, that's under the law. Well, these things were written aforetime for our learning that through the patience of scriptures we might have hope, Romans 15.4. And these were written as examples for us that we might not do the same thing. 1 Corinthians 10. Talking about the Israelites and how they tempted the Lord ten times. So these are New Testament scriptures that talk about the Old Testament facts because, by the way, <laughs> the first few hundred years there wasn't a New Testament. Right? All they had was the old. And guess what? They did pretty well with it. The presence of God came in. Oh, Lord. Give us a New Testament book of Acts church and write the rest of the book of Acts through our lives. Amen? So David and Goliath. David shows up because all of Israel is being held in bondage to fear to a giant named Goliath of Gath. One of the Anakims. See, we thought all the giants were destroyed. Where did they keep popping up from? Baby giants. And if you don't deal with a baby giant, it grows into an adult giant. If you don't deal with a baby lust issue, it grows up into a giant lust issue. If you don't deal with a baby fear issue, well, I'm afraid of the dark. I'm afraid of mice. Really? What? How can you be afraid of something that weighs three ounces? And you weigh how much? And you're trying to lose some. How on God's green earth they should be afraid of you. Not you afraid of them. Okay. How can you be afraid of the dark when Jesus is the light of the world and He lives in you? The wicked flee when no man pursues him, but the righteous are bold as a lion. In the New Testament, 1 John, it says this, As He is, so are we in this present world. That we ought to have boldness in the day of judgment. As He is, so are we in this present world. You're not afraid of demons. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 He's in you. Demons are afraid of you. Anyway, we know the story for 40 days. This giant of fear mocked the Israelite army. The Israelites looked at the size of their problem each morning and fear, false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. And false evidence appearing real held them in bondage. That's how you know you're operating under a spirit of fear or a mindset of fear. Because when you talk with somebody about it, they're like, that makes no sense. That's not even real. Oh, but, 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 I can't go talk to my boss. I could get fired. 
Did the Lord tell you? One day. <laughs> I'd been incarcerated about 18 years and I was granted a furlough and uh, I was given 12 hours out. And about a year later, they were to give me another furlough. It was supposed to be 72 hours out so that I could reacclimate back into society so I could have my feet on free soil to know what it felt like because otherwise you can get institutionalized. And so they do that to help reacclimate people back into society. Well, the amount of prisoners that actually get furloughs are very, very small. And normally it only occurs at a camp when you have community custody, when you haven't been convicted of crimes of violence or sexual crimes. And so it's just a, a small group that finally make it to a camp that can get a furlough and then get community custody. So I'm working in the community at Fort Leavenworth for about three years. I'm in a community with 10,000 people and I even have access to drive 26 vehicles on six square miles because of the favor of Joseph in the prison house the Lord gave me. Praise God. Okay? I have my own office with my own key and the police from the camp can't even come into my office without permission. I mean, ridiculous favor the Lord gave me. Just don't use your liberty that you have from the favor of the Lord as an occasion for flesh, but by love serve one another. And if you utilize the favor that God's given you to advance His kingdom and to introduce people to Him, He'll increase the favor. It gets ridiculous how much favor He'll give you. And if I told you some of the favor stories, you'd be like, that's crazy. It's crazy. But Joseph had favor in the prison house. He had his own key. I mean, okay, point. So, the new camp administrator is a Christian. I have favor with all the staff. This new guy shows up and he removes my 72-hour furlough and he turns it into another 12-hour furlough. Now, I want to go home and see my mother and father, spend the night, wake up the next morning. You know, I want to have this non-rushed furlough time as I'm headed toward release to the halfway house for six months before I finally get to come home. And so this camp administrator, who's a Christian, in word, if you're watching, God bless you. I'm about to tell on you, not by name. Because I think you got fired a long time ago. But you're still working, for real. And let me tell you why I think he got fired. Not from his job with the Federal Bureau of Prisons. But he got fired from the Lord as a Christian representing the Lord in the Federal Bureau of Prisons. Because the Lord showed me a vision where he used to get on his knees and cry out and say, Lord, if you'll promote me into a position of authority, I will seek you on every decision and govern righteously like Solomon did. Give me wisdom that I might hear your voice and govern your people. I saw him in a vision. Pray that prayer. And this person was very difficult to track down because he officed in the penitentiary and only showed up down at the camp like once a week for like 15 minutes and wouldn't talk with anybody and he was wanting to get promoted into warden. And the Lord says to me, 3 in the morning, He says, I want you to come back to the camp at 2.30 tomorrow. I want you to go into Miss So-and-So's office and I want you to wait and I'm going to bring in the camp administrator for you to speak the word of the Lord to him. Now, I don't know if you understand the Federal Bureau of Prisons, but it's not really that wise to challenge authority because they will lock you up and throw away the key. 
they have what they call the shoe unit, special housing unit. They have nice flat cement blocks with these four little metal rings on them that they cuff you to with your hands and your feet and you don't have anything on. Oh, yeah. You guys don't know about this stuff, do you? No. There's lots of cockroaches in there too. They crawl on you. But I learned you can command the cockroaches to leave your domain and they have to go. They'll crawl right out the door. They'll go into everybody's cell but yours. Now I didn't know that when I first got there. I didn't know my authority in Christ. The second time I was in Leavenworth Penitentiary, I said, I'm not putting up with these cockroaches this time. Because they would crawl on you and you'd get to the point you were so acclimated to them, you would only wake up when they would like crawl across your face or run your eye. You'd... <laughs> You know, and they would crawl up the walls in building 63. Jesus. 16 foot ceilings in an 8 by 16 cell with the three beds, the shower and the... Do you guys want to hear this stuff? It's part of the gospel. Amen. Yeah, soul wounds. I don't want you to get a wound. And they, they, would, they were big cockroaches too. And they would crawl up the walls. And they would hit about 8 or 9 feet up on these painted walls where the paint was falling off. And they would go up this wall and they would fall backwards and they would land. You would hear them kick, kick. You know, and so this is the environment we're living in. Anyway, so I'm thinking to myself, if I go do this, I'm going to be back in the hole. But am I going to yield to the spirit of fear? Or am I going to obey the word of the Lord regardless? So the Lord had given me a question to ask him. And the question was, Can I ask you one question? Here's what happened. I go there and the staff member says, David, <coughs> called me by first name. She liked me. It's good. I had favor. Mm -hmm. Respectful of authority. And by the way, I always submit to authority, but I won't submit to a control spirit. Amen. But you have to recognize the office. Submit to the office of authority, but not to the control spirit that operates through the person. <coughs> And this person did a lot of really nasty, mean things with their position of authority. They were just getting ready to get promoted to warden or assistant warden. I forget what it was. And I walked in, and she said to me, she says, what are you doing back from work early today? I said, oh, I came to speak with the camp administrator. And she said, well, he's not here. He doesn't come down here. And, you know, he actually was here earlier in the week for like a 15-minute inspection. He wouldn't talk to anybody, and he was gone. Just, you know, doing his paperwork. You know what's going on. And I said, yeah. I said, uh, she says, so what can I do for you? I said, well, I came down to talk to him about my furlough paperwork. It had been switched from 72 hours to 12 hours. And she says, yeah. She says, everybody signed off on that. And then he turned around and undid it. Even the warden was going to bat for you. And we don't understand it. You've got this perfect record. You've got this and that. And we're upset that there's nothing we can do because he's the one in position of authority. And we can't get I, I even went and talked to him personally. She says, I'm really sorry about this. I said, well, I'm going to talk to him today. She says, well, I can't call him for you. I said, no, he's going to be walking through that door in about 45 seconds. Oh, no. mm. And she says, he's not here. I said, well, either he walks through the door in the next 45 seconds or I've heard wrong from the Lord. And she looked at me. She wasn't a Christian. She looked at me like, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> All of a sudden, the door opens up. Now, remember, we're dealing with the giant from Gath, yeah. which is a spirit of fear. And are you going to confront your giants? Or are you going to power to them? 
Door opens up, he walks in, he calls her by first name, he sees, oh, I see you're with an inmate. And he turns around to walk out. I said, oh, no, sir. I said, I'm actually here to see you. I was polite and respectful, and he says to me, he says, uh, I said, I'm inmate Herobedian. I said, my furlough paperwork has been on your desk. And I noticed that everybody had signed off on it for 72 hours. And I've been incarcerated for this amount of years. And I've had clear conduct. And he said, I did that. I reduced it to 12 hours. No inmate should get more than 12 hours on a furlough. I said, well, sir, I've been incarcerated more than 18 and a half years. And I said, I'm trying to reacclimate to society. And I believe that's what the policy was created for. And he said, well, you're only getting 12 hours. Anything else? I said, yes, sir, just one more thing. I said, you are a Christian, aren't you? Mm. He looked at me. He said, yes. I said, well, since you're a Christian, could I ask you to do one thing? And he said, depends on what it is. I said, would you just take five seconds out right now and ask the Holy Spirit if I'm supposed to have a 12-hour furlough or something more? Anger came over him. He said, God has nothing to do with my decisions here. And I said, sir, thank you for confessing that before God, before the angels, before the demons, and before your co-workers. I said, I appreciate your honesty today. I said, I don't need anything else from you. And I grabbed my stuff, and he said, you'll be lucky to get 12 hours. And he walked out, and I looked over, and I said, Miss so-and-so, I said, never confuse him with a real Christian. I said, a real Christian seeks the Lord on their decisions, Amen. on everything they do. I said, a hypocrite is somebody who's not themselves on Sunday morning. And she looked at me like, you have no idea what you've done. And I looked back at her and I said, I know exactly what I've done. But I didn't tell her. And I, I just knew that I had obeyed the word of the Lord. And this joy came up in me. And this supernatural peace came upon me. And all of a sudden the door opens back up and he comes walking in and he's threatening me. And I said, sir, I understand. I appreciate that. We don't really need to speak about anything more. I've heard everything I need to. And I smiled at him. And I turned and I walked out. And he followed me out. And he was looking to see if I didn't have my uniform right. If he could write me something up. And, and to get me thrown in the hole. And I kept walking. I went back to my unit. Put my stuff away. And I went outside and I began to walk the track. And this joy filled my heart. Because I'd obeyed the Lord. Now you ask. How was I rewarded for obeying the Lord? Did he reverse the edict and give me the 72 hours? No, he took the 12-hour furlough also. Oh. And that's why I think he got fired, but he kept working for the Lord because he never repented. But see, somebody has to confront you about your sin. Yeah. And when the prophets of God would confront the kings about their error to try to turn them the other direction... What did they do in response? They cut off their heads. They persecuted them. They throwed them in the dungeon. Yeah. Yep. And then they would go to them and say, What's the word of the Lord? What's the word of the Lord? I know you hear from God. Do you really want to know what the word of the Lord is? Whatever it is, I'll do it. See, if you're not willing to hear the voice of the Lord yourself, you're not willing to listen to the prophet. Amen. Moses, you go up on the mountain. You hear from God for us. Whatever he says to do, we will do. Well, this is what the Lord said. We're not doing that. 
Who do you think you are lording over us? You know what the difference is between a prophet and a politician? A politician finds out what the people are already saying. He jumps out ahead of them. With his baton, he, he, he chimes the same thing. They're like, oh, this is our leader. And he leads them into destruction. And they laud him. They, they hire him with his, their voting dollars. The blind leading the blind. I know where we're going. Just follow me. <laughs> Don't listen to anybody else. Their blind man came. And both fall into the ditch. Man. And I'm not speaking about politicians in specific here. I'm just saying in general. There's probably some good ones. I believe there are. And they will be revealed on that day. But a prophet, a prophetic voice from heaven is not sent to lead people the direction they're already going. He's sent to stop a people that are going the wrong direction and to yell, Turn around! Go back! The bridge is out! You're going the wrong direction! My God. The politician is lauded and rewarded. The prophet is stoned, put in prison, and his head cut off. That day I confronted that spirit of fear. And it wasn't the only time that I had to confront a spirit of fear in authority. And I'm going to share something with you. I respected authority. I honored authority. I submitted to authority. And God gave me great favor. But there were times when I spoke behind the scenes, one-on-one in offices with people. And there were occasions that those staff members repented. God healed them, delivered their children, restored their marriages, physically delivered them from strongholds. Announced at the unction of the Lord, this time next year you'll have a child Mm. on a barren... uh, Crazy stuff happened. But it wasn't all peaches and cream. But you're going to have to confront your spirit of fear. And if it's a mouse, do it. If it's the dark, do it. If it sounds outside, do it. Because the Lord your God is with you and you will fear no evil. Amen. Amen. I'm not talking about being unwise. Well, I think I'm going to confront the spirit of fear by sleeping with all my windows and doors open tonight. (laughs) I'm a single woman and I've just got Jesus protecting me. Now don't be... That's unwise, okay? Don't tempt the Lord your God. And the final area is the city of idols in Ashdod. As a result of years in sin in the camp God allowed in 1 Samuel chapter 4... God allowed Israel's enemy to defeat them. And in chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, And the Philistines took the ark of God. The ark of God is the glory of God. It is the power of God. It's what represents that God is with you and you shall fear no evil. All of a sudden, God is gone. Kind of like when Saul lost the Holy Spirit. He was in trouble. But he never repented. He even said this. He said, Oh, Samuel, I know I'm judged. But can you do me a favor? Even though I've lost the Holy Spirit, I've disobeyed God, I, 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 I didn't wait upon the Lord, can you come back and worship the Lord, your God, with... He was fired. This is the same man that prophesied in 1 Samuel 10. Now he's fired in 1 Samuel 15. Not bad. He lasted five chapters. Grace. So, he says, would you come back and worship the Lord, your God, 
with me in front of the people so that they'll know that you're still with me. Wow! Instead of, I have sinned, what can I do? How do I get back? Hey, I don't want to lose my position as king. This is a pretty sweet deal. I mean, I get taxes. I mean, people feed me. I mean, I got authority. I tell this one to go, that one to go. Hey, you know, I kind of messed up on this deal, but uh, could you come back and worship the Lord your God with me in front of the people so that they will think that you're still with me so that they won't break rank because I really like this king thing going on. Now they lose the Ark of the Lord. Israel was defeated by the Philistines from Ashdod and lost 34,000 soldiers in one day. In 1 Samuel 4, verses 2 and 10, the last of the unconquered cities is the city of idols. If we have idols unconquered in our lives, our idols will rise up and conquer us. God took care of Dagon, the Philistines, and their city of idols himself. If we won't deal with the stuff, it will come at a price, but God will still deal with it. How does revival come? Sometimes people seek the Lord and He responds. Sometimes He's dealing with things and He just shows up. He comes like a thief in the night. Is your oil lamp full? Because you can't borrow oil from anyone else. You've got to get your own oil from the Lord. And that comes from seeking Him. Intimacy is what the oil is. That's what keeps your light shining. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning, burning, burning. Keep me burning till the break of day. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna. Sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna. Sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Oh Lord, give us oil in our lamp. Keep us burning, burning, burning. Give us oil in our lamp. This day we pray. Give us oil in our lamp. Keep us burning, burning, burning. Keep us burning till the night is gone and you show up as the morning star. Break the eastern sky to come back to give the bride of Christ. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon... was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. Here's what happened. They took the ark of the Lord. The glory of God killed 34,000 of the Israelite soldiers. We only lost 3,400 in the Twin Towers. And it rocked our nation. Increase that number tenfold. See what it does. And by the way, we have 300 million. They only had 10 million. Think about the staggering numbers of the lives that were lost. They're weeping and wailing in their tents and they've lost the glory of the Lord. The ark is gone and it's in the house of a fish god by the name of Dagon. And God says, hmm, I'll deal with this myself. The Philistines wake up and Dagon's face down worshiping the ark. They're like, Wonder how that happened. Wonder if there was an earthquake. We didn't hear it. Anybody hear it? Let's get Dagon back up. We got to get our God back up. See, here's the thing. When you worship a false God, you always got to prop him up. <laughs> when you worship the real God, everything falls before you. Amen. 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 We seek Jesus. I am He. They all fell down on their face. John 18. When you've got the power of God. 
they'll bow to the Christ in you. But don't get arrogant about it. Amen. Remember, Amen. he can leave at any time. <laughs> favor lifts. Hey, you can have favor lift and not get fired. I've had that happen before. Favor lifts. You're still working and you're still hired. You're still on the clock. But God will teach you a lesson. It ain't your charisma. It's his favor. It ain't your charisma. It ain't your gifts. It's his favor. I didn't say to me one time, David, I'm about to withdraw favor from you for a season. I said, I rebuke you, Satan. I'm surrounded with favor as a shield. Psalms 5.12. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. Luke 2.52. I know the word. I walked out of that telephone room and favor had lifted. People that loved me didn't even like me. Instantly. And it was one month. The favor was lifted. God sent me one person said, David, the Lord told me to pray for you for the next 30 days and to intercede for you. I mean, staff members that liked me, hated me. Inmates that liked me, wouldn't even talk to me. I mean, it was like I was a pariah. I couldn't believe it. At the end of the 30 days, God restored favor. So I'm returning my favor to you. You passed the test. I'm like, what was that test? It was terrible. It was terrible. I'm Joseph in the prison house. I got favor. I did in that 30 days. It was terrible. <laughs> and all the people that had turned on me came. David, we don't know what was wrong. We, you didn't do anything wrong. We're so sorry. I mean, one after the other over a period of like several days. This is what I learned. <laughs> when God favors you, it's Him. I'll never underestimate the favor of God. Don't take credit for His favor thinking it's you. Well, it must be my personality. they like, oh, I got an orator gift. I got good hermeneutics and homiletics. Lord knows it's not my singing gift. But I do like to make a joyful noise. Amen? Favor ain't fair. If favor was fair, God never would have put Jesus on the cross in your favor. Amen. Lord, give us favor! Yes. We need it. Amen. We need it. We want people to like us and not even know why. Amen. Cause them to just do stuff because of you. You're the blessing. The stuff we get is not the blessing. Never confuse it. He's the blessing. Amen. But the blessing brings things so that you can distribute them. The story continues and we're going to close. It's got a grace message in it. And when they arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. But this wasn't all God did to judge the Philistines and the city of Ashdod. He just didn't deal with their false god. 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 6. But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them of Ashdod, and he destroyed them and smote them with emeralds. Anybody know what emeralds are? Original Hebrew, tumors, other translators, hemorrhoids. Get on your horse and try to fight that battle. You know why Napoleon historically lost the final battle? He had hemorrhoids. He had emeralds. He couldn't get on his horse and lead him into battle. Hey, it's only funny when it ain't you. I remember a friend of mine from high school told me he had to go in and get an operation. And I thought it was funny. And they went and clipped off 
And he was in pain. Years later, I experienced one of those. And I was born again. I'm like, I mean, that, that, that's some painful stuff. By the grace of God. Anyway, he struck him with hemorrhoids, emeralds. And those were the ones that got off light and easy. The others were dead. Tumors. And one translation of emeralds is bubonic plague. Some nasty stuff. Even Ashdod and the coast thereof, the whole area. So here's what they did after seven months of God punishing the Philistines. Seven, the number of completion. Seven types of people, the Amorites. Yep, seven. See it again? Here's what happened. After seven months of God punishing the Philistines of Ashdod and all the coast thereof, the pagan priests couldn't handle the holiness of God's presence. See, they never repented. If you saw a God more powerful than your God, wouldn't you switch? He was the real God and He's a holy God. Unless you just love evil. And sought for a way to return the ark of God. See, the Israelites couldn't get the presence of God back because they didn't have the power because they lost the presence of God. Once you lose it, you can't get it back. God's got to have mercy and give it back. That's right. Hmm. One time, I had this really strong healing anointing on me. I'd been born again about a year and a half. Laying hands on people. Instantly healed. Cool. I got to the point where I said, Lord, why can't other people be like me? Oh, come on. I was 18 months old in the Christ. Hey, give me some break. I'm like, this stuff's simple. See, I didn't realize it was a grace and gifts. And somebody showed up. I'm like, can't you see I'm trying to read the Word? Can't you see that I'm trying to spend time in the Word? This is what's going on in my head. I'm trying to learn more about Jesus. See, sometimes it's about Jesus wanting to touch His people, not about you learning more about Him. And then other times, we're so keyed in on the people that we forget about the Lord. A false balance is an abomination of the Lord. Here's what happened. I said, okay. I prayed for him. He got healed of the flu instantly and he walked off. And I'm like, Lord, why can't these people seem to get this? You're a healer. These signs will follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I keep preaching it to them. Me, myself, and I. We know what we're doing here. And <laughs> Glory be to me and unholy trinity. Me, myself, and I. And all of a sudden, I felt like I'd offended the Lord. I'm thinking, hmm, wonder why he's offended. Wonder if I said something. I got to thinking, I thought, you know, they really should still have this. Within 90 seconds, I had the full-blown flu. I mean, I was the type of guy, if I started to get sick, I'd go buy an ice cream. I'd go stand out in Colorado outside eat the ice cream with a t-shirt on and shorts. Wow. Now that's some arrogant stuff. But God in His mercy, because I was trying to exercise faith, would heal me when I do it. Wow. Now, would I do that today? No, I know better. But God will meet you at your level of faith. Okay, I'm being transparent here, right? So, I'm fully sick within 90 seconds. I went from fully healed to fully sick. My nose is dripping on my pants. In 90 seconds, I'm rebuking, I'm binding, I'm casting out the spirit of sickness, I'm, I'm pleading the blood of Jesus, and nothing is working. I think we lost a camera. And nothing is working. And so here's what happens. I'm like, Lord. Nose is dripping. Somebody comes walking in. 
And they're like, David, what's going on? I'm like, <coughs> I'm coughing. They're like, oh, you need some prayer. David, let me stand in the gap for you. I'm like, don't stand in the gap. Well, you stand in the gap for us all the time. Don't do it. I'm coughing, I'm sneezing, I'm dripping. And he says, oh, I'm going to stand in the gap for you. He was a young believer. I begged him not to. I said, you don't know what you're dealing with. See, what he was really dealing with was pride in me. And I hadn't repented yet because I hadn't figured it out. Sometimes, thank God he didn't fire me that day, huh? But I got a little taste of what it's like to have favor lifted. Hallelujah. I got a taste of what it's like not to live in the Holy of Holies. Hallelujah. But to be in the outer court. See, what you can get away with in the outer courts will get you killed in the Holy of Holies. And what will try to come when you're living in the Holy of Holies, you'll destroy with the Word of God. Yeah. Tabernacle teaching. Amen. It's online. Yeah, yeah. Within 90 seconds, he was sick. What? And another guy comes in. <laughs> this guy, bless his heart, cast out 21 demons in him. The Lord actually healed him of AIDS. He had been a practicing homosexual male, male prostitute. Um, and uh, he, he got delivered and everything. And he said, I'm going to stand in the gap for you. I said, don't. Don't do it. And the other guy's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, within 90 seconds, he was sick. And I'm like, oh my God, Lord, what, I, I, what has gone on? You know, Because the curse without cause will not come. But I'd sinned. I'd sinned. I'd sinned. And my self-righteousness as God had blessed me. Favor lifted. And so I repented. And I was sick for like two days and I repented. And in a dream, the Lord said, you're forgiven. I will heal you. So I'm used to getting healed instantly. God healed me like he would a normal person. And I had compassion for people that didn't get healed right away through that two and a half weeks of misery and having to deal with the federal system's medical staff. I know what type of medical treatment we got coming on America. I lived it for 20 years. I know what it's like. You don't know yet. But I got news for you. What you're about to experience in America with our health care, the good news is this. I know Jesus. And what He did for me for 20 years and kept my teeth and kept my health, yes. He'll do for you, regardless of the health care system in our nation or any other nation He sends you to. The glory of God's getting ready to hit the earth. And we need some not-so-good laws. And we need a yoke of iron to replace the yoke of wood because we didn't fully repent under a yoke of wood. So He's going to take that little finger that was on us and make it into a thumb. And if he has to, he'll make it a hand or a fist because he's calling our nation to repent of the city of lust, the city of fear, and the city of idolatry because we pump more pornography around the world than any other nation in the world. We have Hollywood. Heard somebody say the other day, it's in front of a guy, and he said, David, did you know that 
30% of the internet is pornography. Oh, yeah. And the guy said, my gosh, he says, there's 70% of the internet I haven't seen yet. Sad part, he was true. He was keep telling the truth. That's how bad he was in por pornography. He thought it was funny. 70% I haven't seen yet. Okay, you guys will get it when you get home. It's a bank joke when the teller laughs. Time jokes. Comes in time. Okay, are we much different today? Don't we have our own little gods scattered throughout our day? We have a tendency to fall prey to worship our automobiles, soap opera stars, football teams, job titles, positions of leadership at our local church, and all of our good works can even become idols. There's a certain sect of, well, it's a decidedly non-Christian cult, but they show up on your doorstep and they tell you that the end is coming and you need to receive their Jesus, which is a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. And here's what they do. They fill out their card on how many people they've witnessed to, how many people they've shared their message with, about end times, doom and gloom, mm -hmm. right? And that's how they hope to get into heaven is their good works instead of Jesus' great work. See. And then now that you've got Jesus' great work, you're changed with the born-again experience and good works flow. You're not saved by works. You're saved for good works. Amen. You're not saved by good works. You're saved for good works. Amen. Now, I could say this. We are saved by works. Jesus' work on the cross saved us. Amen. But our works are like filthy rags without Him. But once you have His work, good works will flow. Amen. Tell me you're a Christian and you've got no good works. I question your salvation. Amen. And I do it because I care about you. Amen. Sometimes we've got to tell our mouth we got saved. Amen. I asked one guy one time, I said, you don't talk with the same mouth, uh, you don't eat with the same mouth you talk with, do you? Hmm, filthy mouth. Okay. <laughs> In third world countries such as India, the living room of their homes has the family altar with several different gods on it. All the chairs in this room face the altar and its idols. When the family comes to the family room, they all sit in the chairs and face the altar of false gods, the idols paying homage to these false gods. Christians in America consider this an abomination before God, and we should. Rightfully so. Because God is one. But in America, we have the same thing in our homes. We just call it a television. Hallelujah, heretic. Amen. Where we flip through the channels by remote control from one of the family chairs that face the altar and our gods flash on the screen for us to sacrifice our time and pay homage to, in many cases. Amen. If we are being honest, our gods have come in place of Jesus. We even have our Christian television gods. <laughs> Final thoughts. We can now see how Israel's compromise with these three small cities led to embarrassment, defeat, and in some cases, death. Proverbs 29.1 He that being often reproved and yet hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy, whether it be the world, the flesh, or the devil, whether it be the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. John 2.15-17 we have to take authority over these cities with the baby giants in our life. But you say, oh, I've done so good. 
I've already defeated so many things. I quit smoking, I quit drinking, I quit doing this and that. I'm not in this and that. You know what? I'm so proud of what the Lord Jesus has done in your life. Okay? But He wants to do more. This is how I can tell when a person's got hidden areas. They tell me everything they're, they're not doing anymore instead of telling me what Jesus is doing through them today. See the difference? I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls who do. What are you doing for Jesus? What is Jesus doing through you? Are you winning the lost? Are you... Tell me about the last visitation of the Lord. Second Corinthians 3, and we're closing. We can't do it without the grace of God. It is not your ability or my ability. I fasted 21 days one time to get free of an area. I fasted three days, seven days. I I studied the Word. I was in abstinence on this issue. I didn't open myself up to it. And then 13 years after I'd been a Christian, Prophet Rob Sanchez came in to the prison where I was at. And I asked him to pray for me. Long story short, laid hands on me. He didn't know what I'd asked to pray for. I'd been on another three-day fast at that time. And he said, I break your power. Boom, broke out of me like a rubber band, a cord of iniquity, and I was instantly free. Not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. This mountain is removed. That anicum was removed. That hidden giant in my nature is broken out of my life. Well, did God do it sovereignly? Or did He respond to me seeking Him? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm just glad He did it. He showed up and He did it. And I didn't even ask for prayer for that issue. Amen. Now, the difference between abstinence and deliverance, and we've talked about this before. And remember this, God will always deliver you from your enemies. He promises to deliver us from our enemies. But He never promises to deliver us from our buddies. Wow. <coughs> People come to me, they're like, well, David, I need help with this. Is it your enemy? Or do you like it? Dang. Smoke him as long as you want. You're not going to go to hell for them. In fact, you keep smoking them, they'll get you to heaven quicker. Die in a bed fire, get cancer, you know, whatever. But thank God you're born again. But the minute those things become your enemy, God will deliver you. But you have to decree what is an enemy to God is an enemy to you, and you're free. But if you still play with that thing, it's still your buddy, it's still your friend, you want to hang out, why would he deliver you from your friend who's waiting on the hood of the car for you when you come out of the service? With seven others more wicked than themselves. He'd be doing you a disservice to deliver you unless you set your face like flint against that thing and say, God, I agree with you. Do you want to be free? Yes. Or do you want to be confronted publicly? Lord again. An issue unresolved will evolve. Let us stand. Zenobia, please come play. Woo! Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. In 2 Corinthians 6, 3, 17. Here's the grace. You're like, David, where was the grace in that message? But even unto this day, 2 Corinthians 3.15, when Moses is read, remember we're talking about Deuteronomy, Moses, 
The veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall be those that turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Today we're going to turn back to the Lord in these areas. His light's going to shine on the darkness. And He's going to deliver us from the Anakims, the baby giants, the besetting sins that have tripped us up. We're wondering why we're not free. Today is the day of salvation. If you hear His voice, harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. For the same gospel was preached unto us is unto them, Hebrews 4.3, but it profited them nothing, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Oh Lord Jesus, today, today is the day of salvation, deliverance, healing. Set us free! From fear, set us free from lust. Set us free from idolatry. Set us free. See, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right, things right now. He's showing you things. Because your stuff's different than my stuff. And you have an audience of one right now. You stand before Him. Do business with God. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Not liberty to sin, but liberty from sin. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Say glory to glory. Ooh. As by the Spirit of the Lord. Lord, today we know it's by Your glory we're changed. We thank You for the gift of fasting, the gift of prayer, the gift of reading the Word, the gift of hearing messages. We thank You for them. But we know those things alone won't do it unless You show up with Your glory. We'll not be delivered. If You hadn't showed up 13 years after I was a believer, Lord, I'd still be in abstinence who knows, I may be completely bound again. But you delivered me. And because Acts 10.34 says, you're no, dis no respecter of persons. If you did it for me, you'll do it to anyone else who will seek and ask by your glory. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Raise your hands unto Him and just ask Him to come. Because you're before Him, an audience of one. It's Him and you. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to wait on the Lord for a minute. Come, Lord Jesus. You're the mighty deliverer. Set us free. Set us free. Set your people free. not by power. It is not by might. It is not by scripture memory. It is not by church attendance. It is not by works. But it is by your spirit that this mountain, this anacom is removed.
Come, let us return unto the Lord, for He hath torn, and He will heal us. He hath smitten, and He will bind us up. After two days, He will revive us. In the third day, He will raise us up, and we shall live in His sight. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, His going forth is prepared as the morning, and He shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and the former rain unto the earth. Lord, rain on us, revive us. Shine Your light upon us. And I just break the power of the enemy's hold. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I declare a release of the deliverance anointing to root up, to pull down, to overthrow, to destroy, to clean out, to bring the fire that He might build and plant afresh. I declare fresh oil poured over your lives today. And I declare the healings that have been hindered by the Anakims broken forth tonight. For healing is your portion. It is the children's bread. It is yours. Just say, I'll receive it now from You, Lord. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and just gently lay your hand upon them. Just kind of pair up. See, there's power. And Job... The Lord turned Job's captivity when he prayed for his friends. Confess our faults one to another and pray for one another that we might be healed. Just gently pray for your friend because we're friends in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Lord, we just pray for our friend. We pray for our friend and our friend prays for us. Because it's you that does the work. It's you that responds to the heart's cry. And Lord, we thank you. Not only for not taking your Holy Spirit from us, but for now giving us a double portion that we might go share your goodness with others. And Father, where we've fallen, thank you for raising us back up and putting our feet on solid ground and anointing and appointing us that we might carry the good news of the Gospel. That you're not angry with anybody. That you're in a good mood. Because you've turned it around tonight in our lives and in our hearts. We're no longer seeing how close we can live to the world and still be saved. Now we're seeing how close we can live to heaven and still remain on the earth. Like Enoch who walked with God and was no more for God took him. Father, like Elijah who you took up in a chariot of fire. Help us to walk with you in such a way that the draw of heaven wants to pull us up. 
take us into a new season of your presence and hearing your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Those in agreement said, Amen. Mm. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.
teaching by David Herabedian. For additional resource material, visit the shop link at davidherabedian.com.